Well, hey, and welcome to episode 29 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss what it means to be zealous for God, why zeal alone isn't quite enough, and what God's standards for righteousness looks like. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to pause now, go back and listen to that before continuing on with this episode, as it's going to help this conversation make a lot more sense to you. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey guys, happy Monday. Good morning. Happy Monday, guys. Welcome. Uh, it snowed again, Josh. <laughs> it did. And again, apparently it's coming again. Yeah, apparently we're uh, we're getting a few more inches on Wednesday. So It is fantastic. Most everyone who is from here and has lived here a while, they're like, hey, this is not normal. This is not normal. Normally it's the big one and then it's over, but it's been yeah. these intermittent ones, which Talking to other people are so excited because it's filling up the the waterways, the like lake little snow. The lake, Willow well, Lake is, or Watson Lake. Or Willow, yeah. yeah I'm like, I mean, wow. all of them are really full right Like, now, that's but. a lot of water. And everybody's like, oh, this is what we need. We need these good snows and filling. I was like, so, hey, cool. It is what we need, but it's not what anyone wants. Correct. No one wants this. No. Uh, it's the worst. But, yeah, that's all right. Um, hey, well, let's talk a little bit. Um uh, let's talk a little bit about the the holy season coming up here. So we had this past this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, which kicks off Lent for anyone who participates in that, which is probably very very few within our church. But I grew up Catholic, so every once in a while, Courtney and I'll do something for Lent. So this year, we're giving up a couple of things and, and trying to uh, refocus a little bit. A couple of things that are you know uh, big for us, trying to refocus a little bit over the course of the next forty days. Uh, but then you guys were talking about the holiday before the holiday. So let's uh-huh. talk a little bit about that, Josh, being from, uh, or spending a lot of time down in Louisiana. Yeah. Seven years in the Bayou state. Mardi Gras is a very big deal. Okay. Um, obviously we didn't do anything for Mardi Gras here in Arizona. I don't know if anybody participated in it when I was in Kentucky. We never did anything for Mardi Gras, but you do things for Mardi Gras in Louisiana. And so the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday is called Fat Tuesday, and it has become just a day of debauchery because <laughs> uh, we're going to give up everything. And um, uh, so for 40 days, so we just got to get it all in one last time. Now, I don't think it probably started that way. I don't know uh, the intentions. Um, and really, Mardi Gras is a whole season. It starts early February. There's parades every week. Um, and then really close to Ash Wednesday, they always had a family parade that we did. It was great. Our kids loved it. They were chucking hot dogs and moon pies. There's a bunch of kids on the float, and they're like trying. They're like teenage boys, like 12-year-olds. They're trying to see how many people they can hit with like a hot dog. <laughs> like they're just – they're throwing these things really hard. That sounds and, right up my alley. Yeah, I like that. a punk kid just chucking stuff. Most of our cups, if you were to come to our house, um, they're from Mardi Gras time. A lot of plastic cups. That's what they're throwing out. So, again, it was a, a good – thing i always challenge so we talked about it a lot in louisiana we talked about lint obviously because it was on the so i would say hey not only what are you going to take away for 40 days but then what are you going to add in after easter for the 50 days before ascension 
Like what practice can you add into your life now to add value? You've given away something. So now you should have space to put in something the 50 days after until Jesus, uh, you know, sins. So that's kind of how I tried to to do it too. Again, didn't grow up in church, so really didn't even know what Lent was. Yeah. Had no clue. You know, most people give away, you know, chocolate or Diet Coke or something. It can be a really good practice, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, right, is it's, um, you know, similar to the the concept of fasting, right? You're eliminating something in your life, which is making you more dependent on the spiritual discipline. Uh, it's right. It's this thing that we get to, um, as opposed to spending this time. So like this year we're doing social media, Courtney and I are off social media for the 40 days, which is probably a long time coming. I've been in and out for the last, uh, six months, probably once a month, I'll just delete all the apps and, and be off of it for a while. But, um, so for me, it's like, okay, I'm spending, I mean, my screen time already is down like 65% or something like that. So it's I'm spending way less time on my phone. What am I doing when I'm not doing that thing that I was, um, like mindlessly scrolling through Instagram. Um, so it's, oh, I'm spending a little more time in prayer or whatever the thing is, you know, instead of grabbing my phone first thing, I'll get up and read a little bit more than I typically would when I get into the office or whatever the thing is. <clears throat> um, so that's, I do love that idea. I had never thought about the, uh, post Easter, Easter pre-ascension, uh, time being, you know, uh, a potential for something like that. So that's a really cool thought too. Jason, what are you, what are you giving up for Lent? <laughs> uh, broccoli. That's what I'm giving up. I'm giving up broccoli. It's going to be hard, but I think I can. I think I can. We do know it. how much you love it. What's you know what the weird thing is? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if they do this in Kentucky too. I'm sure they do. Friday church fish fries. Yeah, that's a Catholic thing. Oh yeah, Ohio big deal for sure yeah. in Ohio. So big, I grew up in Chicago, and it deal. was like that was the thing. I was talking to Corey, our resident. So he went to school in uh, Minnesota. And uh, I had made mention of the fish fry thing uh, on the drive down to a conference a couple of weeks ago. And he goes, yeah, what is that? Because he grew up in Arizona, went out to Minnesota, and all the churches would do Friday fish fries during Lent. So I had to explain the whole thing to him. He's like, oh, that makes sense. No one ever told me that. Even in school, right? When yeah. Friday school oh, was yeah. fish for lunch. Yeah, don't eat they, red meat. There's rumor mm-hmm. really? that the fish fillet sandwich started in Ohio. Interesting. That was the what well, I don't know if that's true or not, but it God would make sense. Ohio. It would make sense. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. McDonald's is losing customers on Friday. <laughs> so we start the fish fillet. <laughs> so here's my question. Rather than uh what what are you giving up for Lent? I just want to hear about your all's fat Tuesday celebration. So what did that look like? Uh, I didn't do anything. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we don't do anything anymore. Okay. I will say, so right. here's, here's my question about the Fat Tuesday tradition is like, are any of those people changing what they're doing on Wednesday after what they did on Tuesday? Uh, they're going to go get that ash on that forehead. Well, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> uh-huh. not really what I'm asking. They're going to get that ash on that yeah. forehead. Yeah. I will say too, I was a part of an organization that had some ties into faith, um, Launchers of America. Uh, when I was bivocational, uh, they always would do a Ash Wednesday service that the, all the residents of all their places and even employees could come to. Uh, the pastor who was like the chaplain, he was a really good guy. His name yeah. was John Henson. Um, and he, uh, I just saw him post something. They did one at one of, it's called Visions of Hope. It's like adult special needs. And so to, it was really cool watching them get their ash. And, you know, there's the simplicity of, uh, them just loving Jesus. They had a Tuesday and Thursday Bible study every now and again. I got invited to to go to and participate. And so kind of like we were talking about last week, I think, Jason, you know, a, 
adults with handicaps. Mm. Man, there's just something so pure. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, ah, there's just no pretense about it. Like, they were just, like, so to see that picture even just reminded me of being in those rooms for those moments and, you know, just the pureness that they are just, Jesus, that's enough. Yeah. They didn't need all that other stuff. And I was just a great picture. There is a, I, again, I remember doing the Ash Wednesday thing um, growing up. And there is something to the liturgy of that. Um, and something to the, right, from dust you came to dust you shall return. Like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And there's something sobering about that a little bit. Yeah. They have drive through one. <laughs> do they really? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure they do. Because people cool. are like on the way to work. So yeah, they got to sure. get it on the way to work. Yeah. I will, you know, um, yeah. So I was like a drive through. So it's like quick. Like, how, how are we doing that? So again, I have participated in it. I think it's really cool too. Yeah. Um, we did Maudie Thursday stuff. We did Good Friday, more liturgical stuff. Yeah. Just because the culture down there is used to it and it's just mm-hmm. a different thing. And it is, it's an interesting way to worship. Just takes you yeah. out of the normal ways you're doing things to think through um, stuff. So, um, you ever done Ash Wednesday? We did. We have. Yeah. Uh, we, I don't think we've ever done anything. I'm trying to think. We may have done it one year here, hmm. but no, not not anything significant. Yeah. But again, back to what you said earlier, you know, the whole Fat Tuesday thing, it is it may have started in a righteous place, but the idea, right? Ash Wednesday is about repentance. It's about, it's yeah. about confession and repentance and, and ridding yourself of all of your sin. That's what you're doing. It's a, it's a repentance piece. It's where the sackcloth and ashes comes from. It's a sign of repentance. Mm. And so on Tuesday, I've got my sin bucket and I bet I'm, Filling it up. I got to fill that sin bucket up. If I'm going to empty it tomorrow, I'm better. I'm going to fill it up tonight. And so you do all the crazy debauchery that you can. You fill up your sin bucket on Tuesday and you take it in on Wednesday and you dump it out and then put on your sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. You got to be real careful in those intersections on Tuesday night because you do not want to get hit by a bus, right? It's over. That's right. Game over, You're man. Bad shape. Game over. I did <laughs> see real careful. I did see somebody say, they're like, if you want just repentance um, on Wednesday, just read Psalm 51. And mm-hmm. if you actually read that with an open spirit, you're good. You don't have to do anything else. Just truly read that Psalm and you will, if you're ready to repent, that's all that that whole Psalm is about. And so, um, yeah, no, again, it's a big deal. Um, I always say like here, a lot of people don't celebrate the Derby, but in Kentucky, how many Derby parties yeah. and in school you're picking Derby horses and it's just a, a thing and so Louisiana it was fun um uh don't get caught in like a town down south on a Saturday during parade season like yeah. it's like well here you go we're just gonna be here for a while people reschedule things it's a ton of money that's spent there's sure. just a crazy amount of money um and the adult ones I don't know what they're like because I never went so I only went to the kid ones. <laughs> wink, wink. I did not go. You could ask my wife. Josh, what's that box of beads you have in your office? What are those? Yes. You, you, that's what happens. So you get stuffed animals. They throw stuffed animals and beads. So if you have kids, huh. you, you're just bringing home a bunch of junk. Yeah, that's like most parades, though. Oh. Just bringing home candy and all sorts of, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's dive into this. Uh, this past Sunday, we were in Romans chapter nine, verses thirty through ten, verse four. Uh, and Josh was preaching this Sunday, so good job, kudos to you. I know 
Um, uh, you spent a lot of time on, on the message and prepping for it. So great job. I think, um, uh, what you communicated was, was a value. Um, Jason, you were not preaching this Sunday. Um, tell me, uh, how Josh did scale of one to 10, uh, Ooh. 7.9. Nice. Okay, I like that. That's good because uh, <laughs> Jason's mean, cynical. So that's, that, like a, that's dude, like a I 9.9. Feel, 9 I feel real good. Seriously. <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, getting to the place where we begin making the transition from the sovereignty of God to the, the responsibility of man. So I think you hit that piece really well. Like, And it's so clear. I mean, he, Paul has no problem shifting from one aspect to the other. I mean, he he's very clear. Hey, here's why they did not get in. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith. Like, he doesn't say because God didn't choose them. It's no. Here's why they didn't get in. Verse 32. Because they pursued it not by faith, but as, as if it would by works. They stumbled over Jesus. Like, he puts the onus on the nation of Israel on the nation of Israel. And so um, I just think it's so great how we're just trying to hold this tension. In chapter 9, we'll talk about the sovereignty of God. In chapter 10, we're going to talk about the responsibility that we have to respond to the gospel. So uh, I thought you did a great job on that. Um, So, uh, And then the piece that you talked about with being zealous for God, and I think we'll share a little bit more about that today. But... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it that we can be zealous and wrong. It is very possible, and there are a lot of people in the world who are a hundred percent sincere in their faith, and they are sincerely wrong. They are sincere, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Like it's not the actual; they're not actually following what the Word of God says. So they are sincerely wrong, and um, the fact that all of us could be there without a humble submission to the word of God. Um, our sincerity doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Well, let's dive right in kind of to what Jason alluded to. We did get a question about um, your reference to being zealous, right? Being zealous for God, but we weren't able to, as a result of just time, right? We didn't have enough time to, to dig into like practically what does that really, really look like? And I think Tom had asked us kind of that question uh, to, to expound a little bit mm-hmm. on uh, the practicality of that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting I didn't have enough time. I, I wish I could have put it in here. So that word um, in uh, verse uh, two, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Uh, so the word for knowledge there, it's super interesting. Uh, so normally the word for knowledge is uh, gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, but it's not that word. Um, it's a different word that actually means knowledge that leads you to do something. So because when I was reading this and studying it, I was like, the Israelites like had a ton of knowledge about, about God. Like if you ask them to quote what the prophets said or what the Torah said, most of the people of Israel, man, they had a really good understanding. They had a very, of facts. Like they had knowledge in their head. It just didn't move to the knowledge of Jesus and God's righteousness, which led to submission. So I was just, I thought that was a really interesting point, right? So it wasn't just regular knowledge. So what Paul is saying is not that they're dumb, like not at all. Their knowledge just didn't translate. So they were super smart, but it didn't do anything, right? Like it, it made them miss the point. And so when I was thinking through that, 
like you look at our uh, social media feeds, we are very zealous people. Like there are causes we are all about on every side of the way. But begin to ask yourself, is it based on the things that Jesus calls us to be about? Like really to be following those because for Paul, that's what he says in the Philippians text we used. Like everything else he considers a loss for knowing Jesus. I just want to know him. And then he expounds, I want to be found in him. I want to be in Christ. I want to live like Christ. Uh, and, you know, Philippians has the great um, him, right? He gave up his godliness to come down and become like a man and humbled himself. And so for Paul, that's what he looks at when he sees Jesus. So the question becomes, is our zeal driving us to be more like Christ or is it driving us to be uh, just have more facts in our head? Can we just re- recite more verses, but it doesn't mean anything? And so I think that that helped me. And again, I wish I could have had time to share that. But again, just going, oh, and I think you say it all the time, Jason, we have way more knowledge than we probably ever need. I don't, how do you say it? Yeah, we are educated beyond our obedience. Yeah. And I think that's what <clears throat> Paul is saying right here with the people of Israel. And so how do we how do we balance that? And I think that's what we've been talking about really this whole series through Romans, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. We talked a little bit about this this morning, Josh, but, um, you know, there is a lot of, uh, it, it can be really, really easy, especially the longer that it is that we follow Jesus, um, to fall into these practices uh, that are almost, they're not inherently bad things, but they're, they almost become a counterfeit for zeal. Right. And it's this, uh, and you listed a bunch of them, right? Like I went to the Sunday school things. I've, I've been doing all the stuff. I'd go to the Bible study. I go to four Bible studies actually. Uh, but there is a moment in which what it is that we're learning has to go from a head level down into a heart level so that it drives our action. Um, and I think that's the piece where um, we could probably, you know, spend hours talking about, Hey, what is, what does that look like? Cause as a church, that's something we try to do. Like we try to, rather than just driving people to, to programs or to Bible stuff, like that sort of thing, what we're trying to drive people to is like, hey, how are we living our lives Monday through, through Saturday anyways? Like, what are the things that we're doing? How are we actually going and, and impacting our neighbor? Uh, how, how are we building those relationships with the things that we're doing? So um, there is something, I think, in us, right? It's... Um, uh, it, is it the right scriptures intended for teaching and we love the teaching part, but then there's the rebuking, correcting, correcting and training for righteousness that we don't talk about those nearly as much. So, you know, um, we've got to get into some of those other things to where we're allowing the things that we're learning to actually rebuke us. It's not fun. I don't know if yeah. you've ever read something and it's rebuked you, but that's not fun. Uh, right for it to train us in righteousness, for it to correct the areas of our lives that um, that are are straying away from the truth of the Word of God. Um, so I, I feel like that's the real challenge here. Is we're good at learning as Americans. I mean, we've got more information than we could ever want or need in our pockets at, at any given time. Um, but how do we actually allow that to drive action? Jason, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it's really good. The and we're going to get into it. Um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, even in verse five. So Josh left off in verse four, but verse five addresses that very thing. Um, it says, Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. In other words, all of the 613 commands. And then there's a quote here in our text. 
the person who does these things will live by them. In other words, what he's saying is if you want to follow the law, if you want that to be your measure, then you have to live by all of them. Like you can't break any of them. Like you, that's what it takes. There has to be not just an understanding of the law or a zeal for the law or even a knowledge of the law. It has to be an obedience to the law to whereby you don't break any of them. So that's, um, that's a huge piece that, I, that why we need grace is because none of us can do that. Um, but I'm looking at verse three here and I love this. I just think it's so applicable for our, our world today. It says, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's, God's righteousness. That's our world. Mm-hmm. We don't, we have a world that does not know the righteousness of God. And so instead they try to, they try to create their own. They're going to establish their own righteousness. This is what cancel culture is all about in our world. There is a, a standard of righteousness that is set in the world. And if you don't live up to the world's standard, then you're going to get ousted. You're going to get called out. We're all trying to establish our own righteousness. And the people who think like us and believe like us and vote like us and behave like us, they are the ones who are understanding our righteousness and they're on our team. But what this text says is, look, none of us get to establish our own righteousness. Like, we don't get to decide what is right, or where do you use, what is just. We don't get to pick that. We don't get to determine what righteousness looks like. We don't get to determine what justice looks like. We don't get to decide for ourselves. We, there is no such thing as my truth, your truth, when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. God sets the standard. And you're going to either submit, that's the word, the, ne- the next line, right? They did not submit to God's righteousness. You're either going to submit to God's righteousness or you're not going to experience righteousness. We don't get to make up our own. And so we're in a world right now that wants to create its own righteousness, that wants to decide for itself what is right and wrong, what is just and what is unjust. And that's why we see a world that is reliving exactly what we see with the Israelites. They are zealous, zealous for their righteousness. They're picketing and posting and practicing, and they, they're doing all of the stuff to uphold their righteousness, but they're missing the righteousness of God because they refuse to submit to Jesus. And so I just think there is a part of this that we can all look at our own life and say, where is it that I'm trying to create my own righteousness? Where is it that I'm trying to uh, usurp the righteousness or justice that God's calling me to? Like, I know he says to do this, but I don't really like that, and so I'm not. Or I know he says not to do this, but it's not that big a deal, so I'm going to anyway. And so we determine, well, that was antiquated, and that, you know, living together, that was an old-timey mm-hmm. thing, and it's not... And we're trying to create our own righteousness. Well, it's just as long as we love each other, then it's fine. we That's us creating our own righteousness as opposed to submitting to God's righteousness. And, and, and it's not going to end any better for our culture than it did for the Israelites. We all have to, at some point, submit and, and surrender to the righteousness that comes by Christ. Yeah, for me, you know, when I think about Jesus— 
I think just about the things that he did and the people that he interacted with. I, I always think of Luke 4, you know, Jesus, um, 18 through 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. So he stands up. He's in uh, the synagogue. He opens the scroll to Isaiah. And this is what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so I, for me, when I think of how do I live more like Jesus, these are the things that constantly are going through my mind. Like, how am I preaching good news to the poor? Literally the poor, but also the poor in spirit, as Jesus' gospel says. To the prisoner, literally those who are in prison and then those who are trapped in prison spiritually. Like, you know, again, so I don't think it's a one or the other. I think it's both and. I think Mm -hmm. it is very much of what Jesus came to do as a very physical freedom and also a very spiritual freedom, right? And so for me, like, so my zeal, if it doesn't match up with these things, if it is more about promoting my own ideologies, I have to ask myself, is that what Jesus would have been about? And so that for me was, as I was just studying is, it's both sides. I, I honestly, like, what, seriously, what new cause and crusade do I have to be upset about today? Like, it's exhausting. To, like, I, I don't know. We, it, it literally moves on both sides of the fence. And so as a believer, I think we have to be able to look at all of them and go, how does it match up with who Christ is? And then how am I living out what Christ calls me to be? Which I love the back end of Romans. Paul's going to give us some very clear things about what life in Jesus actually looks like. Mm -hmm. How do you actually live as a believer in the world in which you're in? And so those are some of the ones, just again, Luke 4, 18 and 19. Those are the things I think through. And I'm going, how, how do I help those who desperately need to know Jesus and are stuck in whatever situation of life they are, they're in? get to know more of Jesus, not more of my rules and my regulations. Like Brendan said, they're all good things that we do, but they can blind us to actually seeing Jesus. So then when it's time to submit, we don't like it. So I think it's just a, I think a lot of us are asking that, right? Jason, I think you hit hit on the head too. We just slowly shift the marker of, of, well, I don't really like that rule, Jesus. So it's probably just this now. And our whole culture now believes it. Mm-hmm. And it was just subtle. Mm-hmm. Like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, living together, I, I would imagine not a huge thing. Well, then probably super popular, kind of looked down upon. Probably and, go back to 30 years Yeah, ago. maybe 30 years ago. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what it is. But again, but looking at it and going, why? Right? And it's not because we're prudes or anything like that, but we're going, hey, no, the way in which God calls us to live is a very certain way, and it just brings more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And so as believers, that's the filter we have to keep running stuff through. And again, it's a really challenging thing, but uh, not for lack of zeal for some of us. No, we're very zealous, but you can be zealous and wrong. Ze- uh, zealousness is not enough. Again, that's the whole point of what he says. I can testify, he says in verse 2, I can testify that, that they are very zealous for God. They're very zealous. Like they, they, they are zealous, but it's they're not zealous in the right way. It's not based on knowledge. Paul, uh, the Philippians. Paul said he's his his zeal 
persecuted the church. Yeah. That was his yeah. basis for right. being zealous. Right. And it was a really good thing. It talks about that in the Old Testament. There's yeah. a few people. So it was like the highest compliment to say you're zealous for yeah. God. Yeah. His zealousness led him to kill Christians. Yeah. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So he knew real zealousness. Mm-hmm. And so he can look at him and go, man, all those rules, they're not helping. Yeah. Actually hurting you is what he says. Yeah. yeah. And again, it comes back to we don't get to choose. We don't get to make up our own righteousness. You know, that's the whole point of this text. That's, that's I think, what he's saying. Like, they sought to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. And again, I think in, in some small ways and in some big ways, we choose, we're trying to figure out how to do that too, how to create our own righteousness. We want to create our own sliding scale of what righteousness looks like. And then we, as long as we live up to what we think is righteous, then we feel pretty good about ourselves. But in doing so, we're creating a system to whereby we are not actually submitting to God's righteousness, and that's the only one that matters. Yeah. Well, that's good. Anything else from this past Sunday that we want to hash out or talk any more about? Hey, you got to focus on the hope. What's the hope of chapter, the verse four? Tell oh, me how it ends. Hey, Christ is the culmination of the law, the telos, the end, and right in, will provide righteousness for everyone who believes. For who? Everyone who for believes. For who? Everyone. Yeah. And it is such a powerful reminder yeah. of what Jesus has done, right? For Paul, he is like, he. it's it. That is the... He is the answer to the question. Yeah. And so he this is really 10, 1 through 4 is really kind of the finalized summation of all of nine. Mm-hmm. Like all like it's a weird break. I think it breaks it in our Bible, but yeah. I don't think it should. Like 10, 1 through 4 should actually probably be in chapter 9. All of this whole thing is like, has the word of God failed? No. Why? The Messiah has come, and because he's come. Gentile or Jew, you can be in. He's come. He's done exactly what he says he is. And, but again, it's the submit. Mm-hmm. That's the piece that I think is so key. Like you said, that is the word. Um, and whenever, when you believe on it too, what is the text? I love even the text you use in the Old Testament. You'll never be put to shame. Mm. It's just a powerful reminder of that hope. So, uh, which is where he's going in the next couple of weeks uh, yeah. in Romans 10 which I can't wait, but let's not get too uh, like, oh, I can't believe Israel didn't get it. Cause chapter, <laughs> I was talking to a guy at pastor's point. I was like, cause chapter 11 is our reminder of we better remain humble. Yes. <laughs> cause we do, you get cocky like, oh, that's right. I'm in. Yeah. And chapter 11 is Paul like, slow down. Yeah. It's almost like he knew. <laughs> he did. He knew. Oh, he knew. He knew we were going to get a little too big for our bridges. So the series title that we, the subtitle for Romans that we put at this from the very beginning is, this is the gospel for everyone. And this text here in chapter 10 is one of the places why we chose that title, that word, because, because it is a righteousness that is available to everyone who believes. Like there, there's no one left out of this everyone. Like if, no one who believes gets rejected. So that's what we want to invite everybody to, is to believe in the gospel of Jesus. Submit yourself to it and stop trying to create your own. Uh, 
because Christ is the culmination of the law. He fulfilled it all, and if we're in him, it means that we fulfilled it all. So all the righteousness of Christ gets applied to us, and it's available to everyone who believes. Well, no better place to end today. Thanks, guys. See you again next time. Well, all right, that is a wrap on episode 29 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We're so glad that you stuck with us to the end of the show. As always, if you ever have any questions or comments about Sunday's message, I do encourage you to join us at quadcity.church/romans, where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the Gospel for Everyone show. We hope this conversation was helpful and encouraging in your walk with Jesus, and we can't wait to see you again real soon.